Live the good life unless. I'm Melissa Goodwin, and this is Frugal and Thriving. Hi, and welcome to Episode 3 of the Frugal and Thriving Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Goodwin, and in this episode, I'm going to share with you three key strategies for creating a more effective budget. Now, before we start, I want to ask whether you've ever created a budget and how did you go? Did you hit your savings targets or did unexpected expenses keep cropping up that made it impossible to stick to your budget? If you can relate to the second scenario, then I want to assure you that you're not alone. Studies suggest that less than 30% of us create a budget, and of those of us who do, very few of us actually stick to it. The problem isn't that we don't have enough discipline, which is what we can sometimes beat ourselves up about. The truth is, successful budgeters aren't more disciplined than the rest of us. They don't have more willpower. What successful budgeters do have are better strategies and more effective systems. It's a little bit like when you go on a diet and you're told to clean out your kitchen of junk food and replace it with healthy food so that you have no choice but to eat healthy. The same principle applies when it comes to successful budgeting. Engineer your environment for success and take willpower entirely out of the equation and then you can't help but build your savings. In this episode, I'm going to share three strategies that you can implement today. It will only take you five minutes, but that five minutes will have a huge impact on how you build your savings. These are strategies that I've been using for nearly two decades, which when I say that makes me feel a little bit old, but I didn't make them up. They are strategies that have been around for generations. I've just put a little modern twist on them. So let's get started with the first strategy, and that is to pay yourself first. Here's the equation for a standard budget. Income minus expenses equals savings. Your savings are what's left over after you pay all of your expenses. So here's a simple example. Just say you get paid $100 each week and your expenses add up to $90. Then you have $10 left to put towards your savings. On the face of it, this way to budget makes complete sense, right? It's a completely logic way to work out a finances. Here's the problem. As humans, we're not as logical as we like to think we are. We all have the tendency to spend first on impulse and then rationalise to ourselves our spending afterwards. In fact, behavioural economists study just how irrational we are when it comes to money. And marketing is a whole industry based on emotional spending. So our budget looks good on paper, But in the real world, what really happens is we think things like, hmm, I'm really hungry. I don't feel like cooking. You know, I've got some spare money. I'll just buy some takeaway today and I'll worry about saving next week. 
Does that sound familiar? I know I do this all the time. So what's the solution? Successful budgeters don't rely on willpower to talk themselves out of impulse spending. Instead, they turn the traditional budgeting equation around. Instead of income less expenses equals savings, they do income minus savings equals expenses. In other words, they save first and then spend what's left over. If there is only one budgeting tactic you ever do, this is it. Turn your budget around so that saving comes first, so that you pay yourself first. Okay, at this point you might be thinking, well that's all very well and good, but money is super tight at the moment and there's no way I'm going to be able to prioritise savings. If this is you, I want you to stick with me for a moment because I'm going to suggest you try it anyway even if you're just saving $1 a week. Now $1 a week isn't going to make much impact, so what's the point, right? Is it even worth it? But what saving every week does, even if it's only a small amount, is that it builds the habit. And like strengthening a muscle, the more that you do it, the stronger the habit becomes. And when your income increases, you already have a strong savings habit in place. All you have to do then is to adjust the amount. But if you haven't established that habit, you're still relying on old-fashioned willpower and discipline. You might have more money to spend or you have more money to save, depending on the habits that you've established. But there's a second reason why paying yourself first and saving every week is a powerful strategy even if it's only one or two dollars you have to save. Our habits reinforce our self-identity. What we do and how we act says a lot about the kind of person we are, especially to ourselves. I want to tell you a little story. For years I've known I should exercise more, but I don't. And I've often said out loud to other people, I'm not an exercising kind of person, I'm more of a book reading kind of person. My self-identity was very explicitly of someone who does not exercise. And guess what? I never exercised. Not surprising, right? So this year I joined a gym with the one goal of just turning up. If I just do 10 minutes on the exercise bike and then leave, I count that as a win. Why? because this year I'm focusing on building that new habit. Every time I go to the gym, that's irrefutable evidence that I am, in fact, someone who exercises. I'm slowly reshaping my self-identity, and that will have a positive flow-on effect on my health. And when the time is right, my goals will evolve to doing more than just showing up. But just showing up is a massive component of success. So back to saving money. When we habitually save money, we are sending the message to ourselves that, hey, I'm a person who saves. I am a person who is good with my money. That habit forms and reinforces our self-identity as a saver. And then our self-identity, the way we think of ourselves, shapes our behavior in a positive feedback loop. One dollar a week doesn't have a big impact on our immediate circumstances, 
but it does have a big impact on ourselves and that positive impact will domino through our lives. If you're interested in learning more about habits, then James Clear's book Atomic Habits is a great read. As I mentioned, I'm a big reader, so you can expect some book references in these podcasts. The next question that might come up is, how do you work out how much you can afford to save if you haven't done a budget? Paying yourself first is all very well and nice, but my electricity company might feel otherwise when it comes to paying the bill. Don't let doing a budget become a barrier to getting started. Focus on getting it done, not getting it perfect. As a perfectionist, it hurts me to say that, but I've learned over the years that good things always happen when I don't wait until all the stars align before I take action. Start saving today with any amount you feel comfortable with, even if it is only a couple of dollars, and then adjust it as you need to. By the time you get around to working out a budget, you might already have several weeks worth of savings because you took action today. So that's strategy number one. The second strategy builds on the first and makes it even easier to pay yourself first. And that's the power of automation. about modern banking is that you can schedule payments in advance and put those payments on repeat so you don't have to worry about them. Remember when I said that successful budgeters don't rely on willpower? Automating your savings eliminates willpower 100%. Your savings are on autopilot without you ever having to have that I really shouldn't be spending this money conversation in your head. Here's how automating your savings works. It's payday. Your pay hits your transaction account. Then on the same day, money is automatically transferred into a high interest savings account because you've already set up that transfer to happen and you've set it to repeat. Boom, savings done before you're even out of bed. This takes less than five minutes to set up using online banking. You can even do it using your phone's banking app right now while you're listening and get on top of your savings before this podcast episode is even finished. If you don't have a savings account already, again, this takes only a few minutes to apply for online. Here's what to consider when looking for a savings account. One, no fees. You don't want fees eating away at your savings. Two, a higher interest rate than your transaction account. And I know the interest rates are terrible at the moment. Nevertheless, that's what to look for. Three, no FTPOS card. You don't want easy access to these savings. This comes back again to not relying on willpower. When the impulse to spend money hits, and it will because it happens to all of us, you can't act on it because your savings are safely locked away. So now that you've got your savings on track, What are these savings for anyway? Well, there are lots of options, of course. You can save for whatever is your heart's desire. But there is a third strategy for budgeting success that I want to share, and that is using your savings to build an emergency fund.
What is an emergency fund? That's your backup savings for when the proverbial poo hits the fan. It's an amount that covers everyday money emergencies like the car breaking down, or the fridge blowing up, or the teenager needing a new laptop for school. It's your peace of mind that stops you from sliding too far when these inevitable expenses crop up. How much should you aim to save for your emergency fund? $1,000 is a nice round number that covers many of the everyday emergencies like the ones I just mentioned. But of course, you do you. Set a goal that feels achievable and right for you and your circumstances. Now you've already set your savings on autopilot, so you don't need to worry about building your emergency fund. But if you want to grow it quickly and get on to saving for more fun things, here are some tips. The first is to chunk it down. Saving $10 10 times over is easier than saving $100. And it's also easier to come up with ways to save just $10. A couple of dollars on the groceries, some spare change into a jar, getting a discount on the petrol. These little savings quickly add up to $10 and each $10 adds up to $100. The important thing to remember is that every time you save money on anything, transfer that money to your savings account so that those savings don't get eaten up by something else. Another option is to give your emergency fund a quick boost by looking around your house and seeing if you have any clutter that you can sell. A garage sale can be a great way to clear some space and make a little extra money to give your savings a boost. So there you have it, three key strategies for successful budgeting. In this episode, I shared how successful budgeters don't have more willpower than the rest of us, they just have better systems. And I shared a five minute strategy to automate your savings so that you have a backup for when unexpected expenses crop up. Thank you for listening. I hope that you found this episode useful. In the next episode, I'm going to talk about one aspect to successful budgeting that usually gets totally forgotten, but without knowing about it, sticking to a budget and keeping your expenses down is impossible. You can subscribe in your favourite podcast app so you don't miss out on that one or any of the latest episodes. I'll catch you again in the next episode of the Frugal and Thriving podcast.